0: El primero de miles. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the The Samd Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Disame Jr. Follow me on Yeah, still the Elon app at the SamD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there at the SamD Podcast, all one word. If you're not down with the Elon app, I get it. You can also follow the podcast at the Zuckerberg app or the China app. Subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five stars, nonetheless, tell a friend. Podcast available wherever you listen to this. Also, the Purple app and the Rogan app. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thecmd.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Really going hard. Pause. Trying to push the visual content further, improve with the equipment and everything like that. So if you want to support the movement, support the brand, support this content I've, that I've been giving off like six years now. Let's try to get the, get your boy monetized. Let's try to get your boy monetized. Hit that link in the podcast description for YouTube. It'll take you to the page. All I got to do is hit subscribe. Try to get monetized because then I could really... some visual content off that I really want to give to not only you, but to the uh, YouTube audience as well. So if you want to support the brand, hit the YouTube link in the description. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. I know why you're here. I know exactly why you're here. And if you're able to check in on YouTube, you're going to be looking at what I'm reacting to. If you're on the podcast, you're going to be listening to what I'm reacting to. That's why you might want to head over to the YouTube page and really tap into the visuals. But anyway, Eddie Robinson Jr. tried to tell you. Eddie Robinson II tried to tell you. Uh, he ain't swag. He ain't swag. You know, I'm He He ain't, uh, he, ain't he wasn't swag. You know, I'm swag. He, swag. he wasn't sweat. He ain't swag. He ain't swag. He ain't swag. He wasn't, uh, he ain't, sweat. He, ain't. Uh, he, ain't sweat. he never was, took the bag and ran, you know, I'm sweat. took the four and five sweat. stars and ran, you know, I'm sweat. Uh, he ain't sweat. took the Louie and ran. Okay, so obviously this has become a ridiculously hot button issue. And I spoke about this a few months ago when this whole when this first when this first Eddie Robinson clip first dropped, it hit the timeline and went crazy about is Dion Swack? Then Dion went out there and he had hoodies saying he is swack and had his whole social media campaign dropping highlight vids of how he was swack, printing out merch. They got game day to pull up and they're chanting, he is swack, or I'm swack. Now all of a sudden. Just a few short months later, he has ghosted them for Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. left Jackson, Mississippi in the HBCU cocoon for Boulder, Colorado. Amazing times. This is a ridiculous topic because I can tell you this. As a son of the South, even though I was born and raised up North, I am a son of the South of the South, both parents from the South, mother from Louisiana. When you take a L, no matter what the outcome of the game is, when you take a L to the human jukebox at halftime, it don't matter if you won the SWAC championship. It really don't matter. The human jukebox put them on blast at halftime. And look, if you don't know what I'm referencing, we about to play this clip. It's the halftime of Southern versus Jackson. In the human jukebox, if you're not hip, get hip. It is a Jackson State band. They took it to task to dig that knife in and twist it into the Jackson State faithful. Hey, Jackson, sounds like you need to be getting ready for a new head coach. Good Lord. Good Lord. I told you he wasn't swag. It doesn't matter if you won the game, Prime. Because you left all them people behind. And they got to take them L's. He doesn't understand. He just stayed because he gave some of his salary. That, you know, oh, I left them in a better place than where they were before. And that may be true. Because that's how down bad they were prior. But you left them people hanging, bruh. Them people going to get clowned for a long time. And you see the HBCU alums, not just... Jackson State alums, HBCU alums as a whole, trying to come out and ride in cape for the sanctity of the HBCU base. That's not by That that's not by any coincidence. It's just because they look bad. Jackson State looks like they got used here, and it's because Dion did. He used them. He used them. You know. It, it's. I know why he did it. I understand why he did it. I'm not even saying he should not have done it. I'm just saying he has to understand how this looks. You have an HBCU university that gave you a chance, gave you a chance to skip the line because if we know anything about prom, he not waiting for no handout. If we know anything about prom, he wasn't going to go put in the work and work his way up to become a head coach. He wanted to be a head coach off rip. That's why he started that program with them little tykes and he built his way up every level as the man at every level because he's prime because he's neon Dion. He's prime time. Like there is a clear line of separation when he is Dion Sanders, the person and coach prime neon Dion primetime, whatever other moniker he's going by. It's a clear separation. Dion, the man probably feels bad about what he did to Jackson state skating on him, but prime time Coach Prime, Neon Dion is like, oh, how much? 5.9 mil? Okay, we out. Say less. Power five? Say less. We out. We out. Shador, we out. All you other four, four stars, we out. Five stars, we out. Hit that transfer portal. You ain't happy? Pull up the boulder. We moving this whole thing to boulder. So Dion might feel a way. He knows what he meant. He knows the clout that he brought to HBCUs and to the people that are out there actually saying, you know, Dion didn't bring nothing to the swack. Dion didn't bring no no light, no attention. Are you shitting me? Are you kidding me? You can't legitimately say that with a straight face. Now you might just be you might just be mad, you might just be salty, but there's no way that you could justifiably say, well, you know. Dion didn't really bring that much to the SWAC. He didn't really bring that much to Jackson state. Now look, was Dion supposed to save the SWAC? No. Was Dion even supposed to save Jackson state? No. But here's the problem. Dion made it seem like he was going to save the SWAC in Jackson state. And that's why you really can't. it's, It's a problem, man. It's a problem. It really is a problem. He insinuated, he hit all the notes. He did what a good salesman, a good pitch man, a good preacher man does. He sold his story to the congregation. He preached from the pulpit that is college football, and everyone in Jackson bought it hook, line, and sinker. Even when he accused them of stealing from him. He spit it in a way that made them people feel bad about themselves that, oh, we had prime come out here and our folks didn't know how to control themselves. And they tried to rob prime while he's playing the game, while he's coaching the game. He has been able to spend. Now you've seen it with, with your man, it's the playmaker, Michael Irvin on, on the full of the network on that, on that Friday Smith show, he's going out there preaching every Monday and, you know, him and Prima like this. They know what type of time. They know how to spit game when them cameras are on. And we know Prime got five, six cameras following him. Everywhere he go, he's doing a documentary on this. It's, it's really embarrassing if you're a HBCU alum. And I understand the vitriol. I understand the fact that you feel as though you were used because you were. And unfortunately, that's the game of college athletics. And specifically, that's the game of college football. There's not much you can do about that. If you thought Deion Sanders was going to stick out and do a decade year long bid at Jackson State, then you had no idea who you were dealing with in the first place. You know, Deion spins the narrative of, well, you know, God has made him go to all these different places, has told him to go to all these places. It's not really because of that. It's because Dion wears out his welcome everywhere he goes. He wore out his welcome in Atlanta. He wore out his welcome in San Fran and Dallas and Washington and Baltimore. And in baseball, he damn sure wore out his welcome with the Yankees, with the Braves, with the Reds. That's who he is. He's a nomad. He's a man with no home. Like, this is what th- this is who you invested in. There is no way in hell Dion was ever gonna stay no more than the three years he stayed at Jackson State. He probably could have bounced last year. He was trying to bounce last year when Florida State became available. So there was never an inclination of, yo, he's gonna hold it down and rebuild this whole thing. He built on the fly. He is a he is a house flipper. Dion. Neon Dion, prime time, coach prime, whatever you want to call it, he is a house flipper. He comes in, he cleans it up real nice, puts some new paint, maybe put that fake marble on the island to make it look like real marble. He cuts a little, he he cuts some corners, but he makes sure to put the money where it needs to be to get your eyes. When when you're flipping the crib, you got to make the kitchen look good and make the bathroom look good. So you come in there, you, you put some spackle on there, you go ahead, you do all that type of stuff. And then you just kind of, you know, spit clean some of the other stuff to make it look nice and shiny. And then you flip the crib. This is what Prom has done at Jackson State. He came in, they had piss poor facilities. All right, let's come in here. Let's give them a, let's upgrade the lounge. Let's put some TVs on the wall. Let's upgrade the training rooms. Let's, because, you know, I'm trying to get some high level three, four. And maybe if I could swing for the fences, some five-star kids to pull up, I can't have piss poor facilities. So let's go ahead and for the time that I'm here, let's get it to a better standard for while I'm here. Now, after I leave, it could deteriorate and go back to being piss poor. But while I'm here, this needs to be at a certain level so I can sell this story. So I can keep pushing these narratives for the next spot. And if you watch these vids, of him walking around Colorado, you would act like prime ain't never been to a D1 uh, facility before. He was amazed by, you know, a locker room. He was amazed by, you know, seeing the hot and cold tub. Like, dude, you went to Florida State. You played in the NFL. You played Major League Baseball. You're amazed by a Pac-12 hot, hot and cold tub facility? Like, you really that, like, it's, he's selling Cause the cameras are on and when them cameras are on prime does what prime does. And this thing was the worst kept secret. And you know, I'm going to queue this up here. And the reason why it was the worst kept secret is because, you know, prime has never been shy about admitting how many people were trying to come at him, whether it was last year or whether it was even throughout this year. In his Colorado press conference. He talked about how the, the AD was texting him photos as he was prepping for games with Jackson state. Texting him photos of the field covered in snow and saying, hey, well, you know, we can clear this in about an hour. The snow will be gone about an hour. Imagine that being the selling point. How is that a selling point to a man from Florida? We got all this snow on the ground. Oh, but it'll be cleared up in an hour. Now, is he throwing shade to Jackson State? Is he saying, hey, if y'all ever got some snow, how long would it take the piss poor facilities to get cleared? How long? Six hours. Would you have to cancel the game? Is that what he's saying? Was that the insinuation of come on over here? Stop. You you, you did your time down bottom. You did your time down bottom. Come over here to a real school. Is that what was happening? Anyway, look, worst kept secret. I have to play this clip because every time I see it, I laugh. Uh, Your man's prime and uh, his boy, the assistant AD here. They do these clips. They they do these uh, interviews here. And yeah, yeah. let's, uh, Let's just go ahead and let this rip. Kansas Chiefs, right? Yeah. Next week they play the Denver Broncos in Colorado. They,
1: this is before the
0: announcement. We gonna ride together. it's the worst kept secret. That's a good one Everybody now. knew. I gotta admit, now that's a good one. Everybody knew he was going to that's Colorado. Cincinnati was in the mix. Allegedly, was good USF on, was in the mix. Here. But oh. everyone knew he was going to Colorado. I never been. I never been there. And I'm, but I'm going. I'm going. There. Well, I'm going next week when the Chiefs so play Bronco, what, in Colorado. What, what you, Colorado. Colorado. What you trying to say? I just want to know. I, you, can we ride together? Can we ride it on well, that on that well, G4. <laughs> <laughs> Five point nine <laughs> reasons why you going. Well, I know why you so going. They're playing the. Di- okay, this week. Five point nine mil. Bengals. Oh, you ain't no good, the, man. Because, you, you, ask, no good. you told me to ask I ain't this. tell you what. You told the fella, they told the man they'll ask a question. Yeah, he right. asked a question, and you, he, he asking all this stuff about your beard and all that. Yeah, he say? did. But when he I did. You, I, I've been I watching, I watching all these press Colorado? conferences. Well, that was really well, was, weird, press conference. Some dude really I'm did ask him about his beard. Cause you have been to all these places. I've never been to Colorado. But why would you assume I'm going to Colorado? No, I'm just... That's good stuff, though. Man the room. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So look, it was the worst kept secret. Prime has been out here trying to hide it. He said there's been offers. He's, he's listening. You know, every year he gets offers. He tried to play it off well, but it was the worst kept secret and now he's moving on. And what the hell is left if you're Jackson state. And if you're Colorado, what the hell are you walking into? If you are a current Colorado Buffalo, you've already seen the QB, the starting QB for Colorado announce, I'm in that portal. I ain't playing no games. You know, Prom come in there saying, I got a quarterback. Wait, I think I have that clip. Let's see, do I have that queued up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I have that queued up. Let's go ahead and play that because he aired these kids out the first time he met the Colorado football team. So I'm going to play that clip here for you. I love everything about this, this institution. I mean, the academics prevalent, no crime, beautiful city. He kept talking about it's no crime. City. He really mad that y'all tried to rob him. had nothing of sort to work out in to, to trade Our kids would go absolutely crazy to be in this situation that you in. <sighs> but you ain't bringing them, though. But you don't he told them, don't, don't, don't you dare hit that portal. You don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're really wilding, son. Some of y'all don't even think you deserve it. Here we go. Get that Louie? God has sent him to a lot of places then. got a few already taken care because my luggage with What's wrong with him? What is wrong with him? What is wrong with him, bruh? Why does he have to be like this? Why? Why does he have to be like this? There's no there's no real reason to be telling a whole bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, you know, I'm coming with Louis luggage. Y'all, y'all, y'all not even Toomey. Y'all not even Norface. Y'all not even y'all not even uh whoa, whoa what's another one? Pentagon, Patagonia y'all not even Pentagonia. Like y'all just, damn son, like I don't understand. Y'all Marshall luggage, y'all TJ Maxx luggage, I'm coming with Louis luggage. I'm bringing them here with me. And kids have announced they're hitting that portal. They ain't trying to be around no damn prime time and all the nonsense that comes with being around prime. So it's, it's going to be amazing to see how this shakes out. But let's really get into the nitty-gritty here when talking about this Buffalo. This is Colorado Buffalo's type, type situation. If you are... Okay, let, let's talk the money, right? So $5.9 million per year. You could say $5 million budget to hire coaches, right? They're in the Pac-12, which I, is it going to be the Pac-10? Because USC and UCLA are leaving, uh, I don't know. For right now, it's the Pac-12, soon to be Pac-10. What's going to be, what's going to become of that conference, right? So, Prom is actually, you know he's going to sell to these five-star recruits, come ride with me, It's still a power five. If UCLA and USC are leaving the Pac-12, is that still a Power Five conference? Yes, you still have Utah. Yes, you still have Oregon to a lesser lesser degree. Oregon State, UW, but there's no USC, no UCLA. Is that still a Power Five conference? Is Dion is part of the is, is part of the decision of him going to Colorado? instead of Cincinnati, instead of USF, it's part of the reason why he's doing this is because once those two squads leave, the hill becomes a little easier to climb to take over the conference. My question is, is that conference worth a damn after USC and UCLA leave that conference? Because if you're telling me, I'm trying to bring all these five stars, these four and five stars with me, to beat the likes of Cal, Wittenham in Utah, to beat Oregon, Oregon State, is that what we doing? You dub Stanford. David Shaw is leaving. What? What's the appeal of the soon-to-be Pac-10? Why is Dion going there? Because allegedly, it wasn't the biggest bag. Allegedly, we. we when i not privy to these things. There's a lot of reports, a lot of rumors, a lot of innuendo being thrown out there. Cause Cincinnati, there's been a lot more coaches that have gone to do the quick flip, the house flip in Cincinnati and cake up, as opposed to Colorado. Colorado now has hired three straight black coaches. Mel Tucker, I forget who the who the last guy is that 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 just bounced to open the door for Dion. But three straight black coaches for Colorado. So the flip, I mean, college football is all about the flip. If you don't know how to flip, College football and college sports in general is not for you. So the fact of the matter is, what is the incentive for Colorado if you're Dion? Why Colorado over Cincinnati? Why Colorado over USF? If the bread is the bread, okay. But he gave half his bread to Jackson State to improve the facility. So bread shouldn't be a thing anymore, right? He's a whole of family. He's made enough bread through NFL. And MLB money. He should be getting two two pensions from both sports. A pension from each sport. So money shouldn't be an issue, right? He still does endorsements. He's built football programs with the Tykes. There's bread in that. Sponsorships in that. He had, yeah, what was it? Under Armour, right? Under Armour at Jackson State. There's bread in that. So bread shouldn't be a thing. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Why Colorado? I understand need to bounce because I'm coach prime. I need to show that I could prove it at the next level. But the issue is that Jackson state allowed you to skip the line. They allowed you to continue to have the power everywhere you go. When he had his high school program, he ran shit. When he had the tights, he ran shit. When he had like his bootleg little IMG thing, he ran shit. He's always been the guy. So just like Trent Dilfer is now the coach at UAB, just like Jeff Saturday walks into the gig with the Indianapolis Colts, Prime did the same thing at Jackson. That's why he had to go to Jackson. Who else was going to let him walk right in with no coaching experience? You think a power five, even Florida State, you think Florida State was going to let him walk in? With absolutely no experience. That's why they pulled up last year. Because now he proved himself. So he was allowed to skip the line and that was done by the grace of Jackson State. Now clearly both sides benefited. But the problem is, wherever prime goes, he always makes sure he benefits more than anyone else. Whoever his partner is in this. And this thing, it was Jackson State. So he's making sure that he benefits more. Because let's be real. And I know the HBCU alumni is, is going crazy and they're trying to, you know, state their claim that, you know, HBCUs matter. No one's saying they don't matter. However, to the mainstream, to the casuals, you now go back into the irrelevance that you had before. Sorry. News flash. Okay. Look. I'm still here for the Bayou Classic. I'm still here for Morgan State. I'm still here for all the HBCUs when they pop up. The Battle of the HUs. We're here for all of that. However, in terms of breaking through to the mainstream media, breaking through to where blue check boys have to now go search Jackson State and find out where the hell Jackson State is, despite them having four NFL Hall of Famers already. That goes now. Prime takes that notoriety. He takes that clout. He takes that curating away. It is what it is. Just like he told the kids in Jackson State he was leaving, it is what it is. I'm out of here. Out the door goes Prime. Out the door goes your coach. Out the door goes all those four- and five-star recruits. Out the door also goes your curating. Out the door also goes your name recognition. Now your facilities are improved. The problem is they're still not up to snuff against even the worst FBS uh, uh, schools and universities, colleges and universities. It's still not even up to snuff against those. It's just maybe now the best amongst HBCUs, maybe the best in the SWAC. I don't even know if it's the best in the MEAC. There are some mornings where I wake up and my phone has a lot of notifications, a lot of tweets, a lot of stuff. And it'll be, you know some hot take that I said that that's now usually come true or someone trying to get at me because they think my take is crazy or over the top or whatever. But last week, there was a night, an early night, early morning actually. I woke up about 3 a.m., and I have never seen my phone with so many texts, so many notifications, DMs, everything, group chats on fire, and it was all surrounding one thing. And it, it, it revolves around the man who I have uh, taken the task care quite a lot. It, is, it revolves around a man who I have criticized a lot. It is a man who I have called out a lot. And normally when this man performs well, those, those notifications go crazy. See, he's not as bad as you say he is. Look at him. Look how well he's playing. Then when he performs horribly, it's crickets. And then I gotta be the one reaching out and you know causing Twitter firestorms and whatnot on the Elon app. But however, this particular night, let me uh get the screen up here. One tweet caused my phone to explode. And it was this tweet right here. Uh, yay, who is now banned. From the Elon app, I think more so for the photo he put up of Elon more so than this particular tweet. But this tweet is the one that actually like broke the Elon app as opposed to a photo of him looking flabby and sick on a boat somewhere with some dude. Um, Anywho, so look. I was asked if I was going to go to church because if you're new here, go check the podcast archives. It just search for take Him to church. Anytime the point fraud loses, it is yet another justification for us to praise the almighty basketball gods. I am not going to take you to church. Not this time. It's too early in the season. And if we look at the standings, the Suns are the number one seed in the Western Conference. So we can't we can't go to church yet. Trust me, I wanted to. I had about a good three minute sermon in the tuck. Once I got fully awakened, caught up and got up to speed on what the hell happened. However, they're playing too well. And oh, I got to smoke for the point fraud. Don't worry about it. Trust me. But we're gonna stick here in the screen share for a second because we need to talk about how good they're playing without the point fraud. <laughs> because, you know, a lot has been made about his importance. You know, your man's Chuck calls him the, the best leader in all sports. And what we have been privy to, or what we have been um Subject to this season is the emergence of D. Booker being him. Now, whether you want to bring this to task of him cutting loose the other Jenner, a.k.a. the other Kardashian, maybe, but 28 points a game, six dimes. And that's the thing, six dimes. And this is the dude that early in his career, and let's see if we could pull this up here, early in his career, he was a point guard. He played point, not out of, you know, he didn't want to play point, but because that's what they needed him to do. Yeah, so go over, I think these, are, yeah, 2018 and 2019, he averaged seven assists a game. I believe these were the Earl Watson years because Earl saw how nice he was and just unleashed D-Book. Um, So now he's, you know, D-Book has come into his own. It is year eight in this league. This is a guy that came off the bench for Kentucky, and now he's dropping 28 a night in the league. And he is at times unguardable. And he is shooting 39% from three, as we see here on Basketball Reference. 39% from three. He's taking 21 shots a night. And as good as he looked last year, he is playing even better this year. All the shooting numbers are up. Effective field goal percentage for your analytics nerds is up. The minutes are up. Everything is up. Free throws is up. Free throw percentage is up. Rebounds are the same. Assists are up. Yeah, he's him. He's him. And that's why they're the number one seed in the Western Conference right now. And when the point fraud eventually comes back. When that does happen, some people are going to jump out the window and say, all right, they're going to spin the block and get back to the finals again. And while that may be true, let's not forget who's down here at the bottom of the Western Conference. We have the Warriors at the ten seed. They're a playing team as of right now. Because look at the teams that aren't supposed to be here in this Western Conference. Who had the Pels as a 2 seed? I'll wait. Who had the Sacramento Kings? I tweeted this out on the Elon app a few weeks ago. I'm like, am I going to have to come on the pod and talk positively about the Kings? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That day has, a, has arrived. The Trailblazers, even with Dame in and out the lineup as a seven seed, the Utah Jazz, who I spoke about after the first couple of games of the season, like Danny Ainge, the let me see, make sure it's the right button, Come on, them, fooled us again. And teams that are supposed to be in this mix, the Timberwolves, 11 and 12, a game under 500, and Rudy Gobert is doing Rudy Gobert things, and it's not good for the T-Wolves, that has not worked out so far. Ant-Man has learned from Spider-Mitchell, do not pass that man to rock. The Golden State Warriors, you know, Steph is playing great. Clay has been up and down. The habitual nut hitter has been erratic, even Jordan Poole, whether it's because he got laid out by the habitual nut hitter or whether it's because he cashed out and got the bag. He's been erratic at times. Luka Doncic, you know, he's his numbers are crazy. Let's go ahead and take a look at Luka's numbers here. And again, if you're not, if you're listening You're getting a decent experience, but if you're watching this, you're getting an enhanced version of this podcast because now you're getting to see everything that I'm seeing. So now let's go ahead and look up Luca. 33 points per game. Nine rebounds, nine assists, 60% from two, 57% effective field goal percentage. He is shooting eight threes a game at 34% from three. That's about league average. And he's taken 23 shots a night. And there's still a nine seed. Okay? There's still a nine seed. And, and that's that's the enigma of having Luka Doncic. And let, let, let's be clear. I've called him Slovenian Harden. Let's see, has that finally made his uh his nickname here for basketball reference? Cool hand, to dom wonder the boy El Nino. About a swaggy Swaggy L. Who the hell calls Luka Swaggy L? Luka Magic, Luca legend, too easy. Yeah, nah, he's he's Slovenian hardened. I've I've been calling him that for a while. Maybe at some point it'll eventually catch on. But if you look at this squad, let's see, do we have that? The pace? I know that at one point they had the slowest pace in the league. Okay, a few weeks ago they had the slowest pace in the league. They are now next to last. They are 29th out of 30. And, pace. and that's because Lucas' usage rate is crazy. Can we get Lucas' usage rate? Let's see. Let's see how fast. I might have to go to NBA.com for that, but let's see. Usage rate. Usage rate. Is that in advanced? Should be in advanced, but I don't know if they'll have it here. His usage rate is through the roof. I might have to go to NBA.com for that. All right. We won't worry about that. We know it's sky high because he was the only one. James Harden essentially broke the record with usage rate years ago when he was in Houston going, you know, for MVPs and stuff like that. Luka was the only person that has even entered the realm of closeness of the usage rate of what James Harden was able to accomplish in Houston. And he's gotten worse, or I guess in his mind, he's gotten better, but he's gotten worse at it because no one can play with him. Jalen Brunson bounced Yes, because he wanted to come to the Knicks and cash out and get 100 M's, but also because I can't get my shots off playing with this dude. And you saw it in the playoffs. Jalen Brunson didn't look as good until Luka was off the floor. You can't be a number two, a legit number two. You could be a distant number two. Like how Jalen Brunson's been rele- was was relegated to, like how Spencer Dinwiddie has been relegated to, like how Latvian world star Kristaps Porzingis has been relegated to when you're on the floor with Luca. But you can't be a legitimate number two sharing the rock. All right, I'm hot, you're hot, we both trying to get off. That doesn't exist in Luka's world, and that's what happens when you're pra- you're placating yourself to a dude that's been a professional ball hog since he was 16 years old playing pro ball. This is what happens. And while his numbers are going to be insane and, you know, the Hawks are forever going to look stupid in that trade of giving up uh, Luka for some Trey Young, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that story too. But the problem is the the Mavericks will never win anything substantial as long as Luka is going to continue to play the game like this. Don't look at this fool's goal. This fool's goal of offensive rating. They're, they're seventh in the league and they're eighth in the league in terms of defensive rating. That's more Jason Kidd. But in regards to pace, pace is the thing. Because they bring up the ball so slow because Luka has to conserve energy by not playing defense because he's going to expel everything on offense because everything has to go through him to initiate the offense. There is no THJ, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, being able to orchestrate. Even Josh Green, who's been somewhat of a revelation. Spencer Dinwiddie, who we know can be a bucket in this league. He's not able to get off. They've turned him into a spot shooter. Christian Woods was one of their biggest free agent acquisitions. And, you know, he's he can't even start for this team. He can't even start for this team. This is the guy who could drop 20 a night. He can't start. Why can't he start? Probably because he can't play with Luka. Because it takes hella long to learn how to play with Lucas. So, oh, y'all thought I was really going to go away from the point fraud. Oh, hell no. Y'all got, me, y'all got me fucked up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So the point fraud was home chilling. And then all of a sudden, his phone started blowing up. All of a sudden, his mentions got out of control. All of a sudden, on all social media platforms, his notifications went through the roof. Can you imagine being home, being injured, And your phone just starts lighting up, lighting up. I hope he had do not disturb on, at least, at the bare minimum. I hope he had to wake up to that. But then wifey probably had to wake him up. It's it's a lot. So the man who circumvented the CBA, this is why the basketball gods don't like ugly. You can't circumvent the CBA to benefit. To benefit only you. You alter the language in the collective bargaining agreement to only benefit you sacrificing the youngins that come after you and the vets that are older than you. You do that. You go in and you are a coach killer. You are a fraudulent fraudulent leader of men. You are not a coach on the floor. You are none of these things. And you're out here smashing Kim K while she was involved. You have State Farm commercials with your children in them? And you're smashing Kim K, allegedly. I mean, this photo, and this is why Drake is the petty king, because if you remember the backstory here, and we'll walk with me if you if you, if you don't know it. So the whole thing about Drake hiding his son, allegedly, depending on who you believe, if you believe Drake, it came from him in studio sessions, being transparent with Kanye, and then Kanye took that info and gave it to Pusha T, and then that's how that got dropped out with the uh, case of Adenon. Pusha T says it was some chick that was smashing 40. He said, he said, whatever. Let's take Drake at his word for once, right? Drake, unlike LeBron, to my knowledge, doesn't have the reputation for lying, so we'll we'll take, you know, we'll take Drake at his word on this one just because the story is better because that makes this photo even more epic. So we have the photo of Drake wearing the Phoenix Suns Chris Paul jersey and two dudes wearing the uh, New Orleans Chris Paul jerseys home in an alternate version. And this was around the time of CLB. And if you remember CLB, that's when he was really airing out Drizzy with the subs. He was really airing out Yeezy with the subs. So this comes down to if he shared... To Ye in those studio sessions about him having a son and all the wherewithal of how that came to be. Because if you know that backstory, that backstory is crazy. Travis Scott, James Harden, they were all lining up to find out who the father is. It was some real Maury shit, allegedly. And it turned out that Drake was the one that actually was the father. Anyway, so if he's being transparent in that moment to Ye, it's quite possible Ye might have been transparent right back assuming this was a safe space because he, you open up to me, all right, I'll open up to you. And he then tells him, yeah, man, I caught, I caught the point fraud with Kim. And they both kept those things in the talk, but then they both clearly told their mans because there is no way in hell you can tell me that this picture just came out of thin air. There's no way that Drake is hanging with two dudes that are his mans in them, and they just all magically have point fraud jerseys. And it's leading up to an album that is full of yay subs. There's no way. There's no way. Absolutely, positively, no way. Just like Drake feels, there's no way that I do studio sessions with you where I admit to you that I am hiding a child. And then all of a sudden, push T is airing out that I have a child. So this picture is epic. But this picture here, this point fraud picture, and again, if you're on... YouTube, you're getting a different experience than those that are listening on the pod. I implore you, if you're listening on the pod, continue to do so, but also check in with the YouTube because it's a different experience to watch me break this down. So we have here, yay, let's break one last window before we get out of here. I caught this guy with Kim. Good night. Now, the spacing is wild on this text and this in this tweet. Spacing is wild. Now, Dalio or Dalio, however you say that, he might be catching a stray here because some people are now trying to spin the block. Now, I don't know if this is marketing. I don't know if this is PR. I don't know if this is networking and, you know, leveraging relationships. But there is a strong uh, push amongst blue check boys and girls that it's not really Chris Paul. It's the dude in the upper photo, the Dalio dude. He's saying that it's the Dalio dude and not Chris Paul. Well, let's let's look at this photo. Why would you screenshot the way that he did or take the picture in the way that he did and cut off man's face, but leave the point fraud's face in full view? It just doesn't make sense. I know you want to shoot the point fraud bail because he's got Netflix deals. He's out here repping slutty vegan. And while I'm a I'm a, I'm a proponent for slutty vegan, salute to them if they do if they want to do a sponsorship, holla at your boy, plant-based god. Uh, but in regards to you know, your relationships can't save you when you're out here running around on your wife with Kim K, especially when her husband is gay and you caught him. I caught this guy. There's been even innuation in regards to that. There's been innuendo in regards to that. Well, how do we know that he he literally says he caught that's in the act. That's not oh she told me after the fact. That's not oh I heard rumors. No, I caught this guy with Kim. The point fraud. The point fraud has shown you. hasn't shown me anything. He's shown you yet again how every time I say this man has been living a lie. He has been selling you a false bill of goods. The way that he flops. The way that he has dirty tactics, kicking, punching. And, you know, the way that he swung from Giannis's. I don't even want to say those words because, you know. You get certain strikes on platforms and stuff like that. This man has been nefarious. This man has been um, audacious with his ferocity from swinging from other man's anatomy. This is who he is. And apparently he was trying to swing from Kim's anatomy. So we need to just go ahead and admit that this is who this man is. I believe it because Ye might be crazy and he's saying a lot of shit that I do not condone. So if I need to say that, there it is, but in regards to this right chair, this tweet right chair, as far as I'm concerned, it's facts. Allegedly. Why can't the commanders just do right by Sean Taylor just once, just once? I won't spend too much time on this because I know it's been it's been a it's been a minute, but like the fact that this franchise that has a dump of a stadium that I will continuously talk about the fact that this organization has a owner in Daniel Snyder who has tried to be litigious, tried to drop some tea on Jerry Jones and that photo will get there. This man continues to try to weaponize the the murder of Sean Taylor for his own benefit. He tries to cloak himself in the murder of Sean Taylor to protect himself, to endear himself, to not only, the uh, Washington football team fan base, but to the NFL family as a whole, because everyone has a love affair to a certain level with Sean Taylor. He is a legend, although he had such a very brief career. Even if you're a Miami guy, if you're, if you're rocking with the U and all of that, you have a love affair, with Sean Taylor. So there, there's... There's always going to be a soft spot for people of a certain age when they hear the name Sean Taylor. We all know about you know him laying out a punter in the Pro Bowl and all that type of stuff. But he was so much more than that. So when they announced they they announced out of nowhere, no one publicly, at least, knew this. And apparently behind the scenes there was some iffy information about it as well. Whether the family was involved or not, there has been conflicting reports. But in regards to the overall sense of They're going to unveil a statue for Sean Taylor. I was like, oh, okay. Again, timing's weird because we know all the stuff that's been coming out in regards to uh, Daniel Snyder and running from the feds essentially and cooking the books, being funny money, buying land out there in VA, trying to find a way to get a new stadium. Uh, But, hey, statue, Sean Taylor, that makes sense to me. Until we realize that this, and again, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to watch this. Uh, If you're not, you might need to tap in. This is what we get instead. This is what we get instead. And this is wires with shoulder pads. This is what this is. Um, And who is is that Clinton Portis? I'm not sure who that is in the shades there. But you see... Everyone, no one has a look of happiness in this photo. This is after it's being unveiled. No one has a look of appreciation, of awe, of anything positive. Everyone just kind of has a look of either stoicism or disbelief. And it's because how is this a statue? What is this? There's gloves on a wire. Boston Dynamics could do better than this. I don't understand what this is. Now, a lot of people are, you know, they don't like the fact that it's a Nike jersey. When he was there, he, you know, the I think Reebok was the uh, official jersey elite. Of that stuff doesn't matter to me, even though they found Reebok pants. So I don't know how they couldn't find a Reebok, a Reebok jersey. Uh, but anyway, so the thing is, there's no tape on the face mask. Sean Taylor was famous for that. There's no visor on the face mask. So it just there's a lot of little touches. Now, they got the, uh, the cleats right. They, they got the soccer cleats. He did wear a soccer cleat. So they got that right. But in regards to just the overall feel of it, this doesn't look like a statue. This looks like something you see in like a high school gymnasium. And in certain parts of the country, this wouldn't even like qualify for that. This is a travesty that a professional organization, a team that is that Daniel Snyder could eventually, if he decides to sell, could get up to seven billion dollars, seven billion dollars. And this is what he puts on display for arguably the most famous player of his tenureship as owner. Who has been a more famous player for this team? You could argue RG3 at its peak. But that was an even shorter peak than Sean Taylor's. Sean Taylor is the is the linchpin of everything that's positive about Daniel Snyder's ownership of this team. And every time they have tried to honor him, they have dropped the ball collectively. And this is just the latest addition. And this might be the most egregious because this is not a statue. I don't know what the hell this is. Um. They pressed his daughter and put a microphone in the camera in front of her face and made her talk about it, and she co-signed it, because what else is she going to do? What else is she going to do? I mean, this this is horrible. This is horrible, and the memes went crazy, and, you know, it's just, it's just not a good look, man. It's just not a good look when, when you look at it here. And I feel sorry for, you know, the next owner of this team, if they actually get him about the paint. I mean, look, even in college, he was wearing a visor. Look at this. Even in college, he was wearing a visor. It's just, it's just ridiculous. The next owner of this team, assuming they can finally get Daniel Snyder about the paint, assuming it's Bezos and Hove or whoever it is, although that's gotten quiet, they have so much. They're going to get the initial boost of the fact that they're not Daniel Snyder. So they're going to get that that publicity bump just off the strength of it's like addition by subtraction. Daniel Snyder out. Whoever it is coming in is going to be lauded. But once that's done, you have to rebuild that fan base in the community. Because that community has been lied to so much, has been disrespected so much, has been forgotten about so much by this owner that they don't really care about that football team. They don't care. There's a lot of people that look like me in that city who you would assume support that team, but they don't. They support the Dallas Cowboys of all teams because that team back in the days in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s, was integrated. Whereas the Washington football team, because of their racist owner, Jack Kent Cook, was one of the last teams to integrate. In one of the blackest cities in America, and one of the biggest cities in America, that the football team that represented that city was one of the last ones to integrate. That's a real thing. So, I don't know, man. I just I feel sorry for the family. Uh, they get dragged out there to be the cloak to cover up all the nonsense that Daniel Snyder allegedly has been doing behind the scenes for years. And hopefully they get a reprieve when this man actually cashes out and gets that $7 billion and walks away. How does a 65-year-old black-and-white photo turn the timeline upside down in 2022? We have 8K screens on our cell phones. We have 120 megahertz refresh rate on our cell phones. We have depth of field on selfie cameras. Yet, and still a black-and-white photo from 65 years ago, Turn the timeline upside down. It's because of your man's Jerry. Your man's Jerry, as a 15 year old, was caught out here in Arkansas, standing on the front lines, not necessarily blocking himself per se, but observing, or in his words, being curious about the integration of Black students into a once all white school. This was unearthed in a piece done by the Washington Post. This Jerry thing has overshadowed the wonderful series that the Washington Post, who is doing very good journalism, especially sports journalism and investigative sports journalism over the past month or so. They're doing a deep dive into why uh, minority coaches, specifically black coaches, have not been hired in mass at any time throughout the history of the NFL they're talking to, you know, players to talking to coaches and they tried to talk to multiple owners, but only one owner was willing to go on the record and sit down with them. And that one owner was Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones. Once he was approached about this photo and again, if you're on YouTube, stand by. Let's go ahead and pull up the photo. Boom. There's the photo. Nope, that's not the photo. There's the photo. So we have this photo. And Jerry is over here, if you can follow my my cursor here. Jerry Jones, he's got the crew cut. He is pro. He is you know he looks like a guy that existed you know sixty five years ago in Arkansas, and he's not mans here with the cigarette in his mouth. He's not you know all of that stuff. But he is no more than that's under ten feet away. He's not mans here in the back by the camera over here in the right. That to me, if this guy got it off saying, hey, he was curious, I would be more inclined to believe him. But Jerry right here, nor more, no more than five feet away, five to seven feet away from Mans with the cigarette, who is clearly trying to block this, these young black students from getting into the school. That's not curiosity. Now, does this mean Jerry is racist? I'm not here to say that either, but this is not curiosity. You don't get this close and try to get it off that you're curious. There are people way here in the back that are just kind of leering over heads and trying to see what's going on. That's more inclined for me to believe that you're curious. Jerry here is front and center. He's in a mix, okay? And people have been shooting him bail, People have been bringing up because it's mentioned in the story how Jerry Jones's father, and we'll come off the photo here. We'll we'll get back to it because there's, there's some other photos you might have seen one accidentally on YouTube. But when it comes down to Jerry Jones's father ran a convenience store, a grocery store, and it serviced black and white customers. So that's being used as kind of a thing. We'll see. Jerry can't be racist. His dad was, you know, he had an integrated grocery store. And my reply to that is, well, if we've learned anything from Jerry is that he has no problem making money off black people. I mean, he's a football owner. You can't make any more money off black people by than owning a football team. So when it comes right down to it, that to me doesn't mean anything in regards to, well, this clearly proves that Jerry Jones can't be racist because his daddy owned a grocery store, but, while we're talking about that, while those people, those Jerry Jones sympathizers, including the overworked and underpaid Fraud A. Smith, who is, quote, very fond of Jerry Jones, and I will be fond of anyone that would let me ride their their G4 everywhere, so I can see why he's fond of him. Um, but when it comes right down to it, while sympathizers like Fraud A. Smith are trying to find ways to bring up stuff to kind of, you know, distract you from the fact that Jerry Jones was front and center— during this uh, you know tumultuous time in America. Let's take a look at Jerry Jones's grandfather. And it's also in this Washington Post story, and it's something that I have not heard the Jerry Jones sympathizers talk about. Jerry Jones's grandfather, and I'm reading this off the phone because I had to type this in. Jerry Jones' grandfather was a member of a segregationist group called Capital Citizens Council that allegedly was involved in violence towards Blacks in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, when he was approached with that information, Jerry Jones again said, I didn't know. Jerry don't know nothing. He didn't know what was going on when Black kids were trying to integrate in his school. And this was after, this was after, you know, uh, uh, the, the school in Central Little Rock. So this wasn't like this was the first school. This was after all of that where the National Guard had to be called and all that stuff. So there's no way that you can, you know, have plausible deniability of I was unaware of what was going on. I attended this school that was all white and all of a sudden there were some black kids out front. And I was curious to see why some black kids were out front. And it was a whole bunch of cameras. No, no, Jerry. Sorry. You can't you, you can't get that off, you know. <laughs> There's no way you could, you could, no, no, just no, no, you can't get that off. You knew, you knew what was going on, right? So your dad was a grocery store owner and he serviced white and black customers. Golf clap for your pops. He's trying to get that bread. You knew that. So you didn't know why these students just popped up one day outside of your school and they were trying to integrate. You had no idea, no, no, no idea what the hell was going on there. But you knew your dad was a grocery store owner that serviced black and white, uh, you know, families. Right. But you didn't know that your granddaddy was a member of a segregationist group that allegedly was violent towards blacks in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, Jerry. Okay. Whatever, man. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, it's comical. It's comical. Plausible deniability. There is none. There is none. Benefit of the doubt. There is none. Because now, let's go ahead and share the screen. Because not only do we have this picture, you know, now, that's been unearthed, and I snuck this in earlier by mistake, but we have him kneeling here, and this was strategic, and this was also a scam, you know. That was a scam because... This picture of him kneeling was done before the anthem. So this picture was to act like he was aligned with the players, that he was going to kneel with the players. A owner of the most famous NFL franchise and maybe the most famous franchise in all of sports in America. Was kneeling at the 50 yard line with his players that was going to send shockwaves. But then people realized, hey, wait a minute. That was done before the anthem. You ain't fooling us, Jerry. You thought you did. You didn't fool us, Jerry. So now let's move on. This is also Jerry Jones. And if you're not on YouTube, these are photos of Jerry Jones caught in very precarious positions with women that aren't his wife in very intimate positions. So this, these two photos have been on the Internet forever. I have never heard anyone in the mainstream media Blue check boys and girls, including Fraud A. Smith, mention these photos. If this were a player, look what the point fraud photo did, and there's no photo of the point fraud and Kim K. It was on mainstream sports media programming. And there's literally no photos of the point fraud at Kim K. But here we are with Jerry Jones, and these photos have been online for about a decade. They have never been brought to light. They have never been mentioned as a problematic thing. Jim Ursay, who I talked about on the pod, you know, some some episodes ago, was caught out here with pills and money in a briefcase, and he was inebriated, intoxicated, all of the above, and he went to jail. Mugshot all over the place. Now, he got suspended a little pow-pow for, what, six games, but he still owned the team. Jerry Jones is out here with women that are not his wife in intimate positions. They're right here on the screen. If you're watching the the visuals, nothing has ever been brought to light. Nothing, not a thing, but they'll quickly show you this picture to make it look like he was him to make it look like he is really with us. So if you combine the narrative of this, even though we know the truth is he did this before the National Anthem so he could skirt the fact that he actually did not protest in, in full, uh, what is it, in full servitude, in full solitude, uh, yes, servitude, in full servitude with the players. He wasn't really protesting in fairness. He was protesting in jest. He was finding a way to skirt the system. Uh, so we have this narrative of, see, Jerry Nell. He understands the cause. And he has been very helpful. In shaping the careers and the lives of numerous players that have played for him. And while you may shoot him bail for that and say, well, look, he didn't have to do that. He doesn't have to look after players after they retire. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. That's true. But you notice all the stories that we're hearing about are about Jerry Jones helping former players. Not necessarily helping minorities as a whole but just helping players that he happened to know because they worked for him. That's very telling in my, in my perspective in terms of judging the morals and ethics of a person. If you're only going to help people, if you're only going to search out and help people that worked for you, that's not really justifiable in the grand scheme in terms of helping the cause overall for a certain people, for a certain, uh, you know, class of people. So, we have Jerry Jones who has this narrative with this photo, even though we know this photo exists, and now we have this photo that exists, and we're getting too caught up on this photo, and this photo is bad. This photo is not a good look because you could be curious. You could say that. You could co-sign Jerry's thing of being curious in this photo, right? But you know what this photo instantly reminded me of? And I'm not going to pull this type of photo up because it's way too graphic. Um, But this photo of Jerry Jones standing in the crowd less than 10 feet away from a confrontation between a white student with a cigarette in his mouth outside of a high school and black students trying to integrate. This photo instantly reminded me of, unfortunately, when they used to lynch black people and hang them from trees, you would have scores of families, white families standing there taking photos, standing there posing for photographs, doing family portraits while a, back, while a black dead body swung from trees. And you're going to tell me that this photo of Jerry Jones on looking, curiosity? If that's curiosity, then what was the, the, the narrative? What was the motivation for people to go out and watch a lynching and then stand and pose and photographs? To me, that's not that far away from one is not that far away from the other. Jerry Jones being curious is just like those families that went out to watch a lynching and were curious enough to see how that goes. So which is it? Was he curious or was he not? If this is curiosity, is going out and watching the lynching of a person, the same thing. Is that curiosity? You tell me. Because this photo instantly reminded me of that. And I haven't heard too many people make that reference. So maybe that's just my brain jumping out the window or jumping to conclusions. But as a son of two parents that went through Jim Crow South and no stories, in no instances, and no people who were part of these landmark cases, you can't tell me that this here photo is just purely the curiosity of just a teenage boy wandering through life when there's other photos of whole ass families, fathers putting sons on shoulders, mothers pointing out dead bodies swinging from trees to their daughter. Is that curiosity too? Okay, a few things here as I wrap up, man. Look, Baker Mayfield, it's 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 about three over for you, bro. Um, he asked and was granted his release from the Panthers. Uh, Sam Darnold being back there right up with you know, Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker over Baker Mayfield. Um, So a lot of people are speculating, you know, the, the 49ers got a dub out here with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. And if you haven't tapped in, just a quick plug, uh, every Sunday I'm doing live streams on my YouTube channel. So if you need another reason to subscribe, there it is. Uh, after the four o'clock games are done, I come on the live stream. Um, you know, maybe ten minutes after the last four o'clock game, and just recap the four o'clock action and the one o'clock action. And so, feel free to tap in on that. Been pretty consistent been doing it. Doing it the last three Sundays. So that's kind of where you've been. There's been no pods, but I've still been active putting content out. Uh, it's just been on. It's just been on the YouTube channel. Really trying to push to get that up to speed so that I could keep doing, keep giving you pods. Like this, visually and audio, as well as doing other video content. So, uh, Baker Mayfield has been out here. He was granted his release and everyone assumed that the 49ers were going to jump in there because, you know, they need a quarterback with Jimmy G being out for the season. And Kyle Shanahan knows better. (laughs) Kyle Shanahan knows better. He's not not trying to be a part of that. So, uh, there will be no Baker Mayfield being claimed by the 49ers. The only team to claim him was the Los Angeles Rams. McVay, you think you that good? You think you that good? Is Cooper Cup coming back? Clearly Stafford is not. They put him on IR, so he's pretty much done. But, I I mean, if you're Baker, you just do it. Maybe you could get some better tape out there. But, I mean, this is really... Looking to be the beginning of the end. If it hasn't looked like that already, it certainly is now for Baker Mayfield. This is looking like the beginning of the end, the actual end. Uh, you know, he had a brief run there in Cleveland, even though I think that brief run is is way overrated than what people um way overrated of what people make it out to be. Then he had, you know, Odell came in there with a lot of a lot of expectations on that team when he had him and Juice and and Joku and Chubb, and he just couldn't get it right. He was giving Juice Landry 12 targets a game. you know, Odell would barely get the rock. And, you know, the Browns were trying to make it an Odell thing about how he's freestyling and freelancing routes. And then, thankfully, Odell's pops put that mixtape out there. Seven minutes of Odell running wide open and no ball being thrown to him. And that kind of killed that narrative cold. Um, so, and Baker Mayfield has never rebounded from that. He's battled through injury. He played hurt last year, even though he could have shut it down, but he wanted to be a tough guy, but isn't he the one who was caught outside of a restaurant? Not even a restaurant. It was like a chain. It was like a fast food chain. Wasn't he getting topped from a, all right, whatever, allegedly. Um, anywho, so Baker's been down bad. He's another one that has a lot of commercials and all of that, but Um, I think this is now officially the beginning of the end for Baker Mayfield in in the NFL. A couple of basketball notes. Uh, Ime Udoka, he tricked off the Brooklyn Nets job. There still hasn't been enough tea unearthed there. There's been a lot of innuendo in the group chats. I won't put that out here yet because it hasn't been really substantiated yet. But uh, Ime Udoka now not only doesn't have the Nets job, he no longer has Nia Long. Nia Long has come on and confirmed that, you know, they're ending what, their 13 year relationship and their seven year engagement. Seven year. Yo, Ime, you you good. Seven year engagement to Nia Long. <sighs> yo, city boys, we always up. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see the last note here. Where was it? Oh, Cam Reddish. Hashtag free Cam. I've been doing that on the Elon app this whole, I think since last year, ever since Cam Reddish became a New York Nick, I've been using the hashtag free Cam because the meniscus tearing taskmaster does not know what to do with him. He hardly knows what to do with the talent he has on the roster as it is. He gets brought in Cam Reddish, who is a, again, I've talked about him a lot here on this podcast. I am a very much a fan of Cam Reddish's game. I'm fully aware of what he can do. There are hoopers in the league that are fully aware of what he could do. There are scouts in this league that know what he could do. If you know basketball, if you watch Cam Reddish play before he got to Duke, that's the important part, because when he got to Duke, it was all about Zion and RJ, right? And he was kind of like a distant third. But if you saw Cam Reddish before Duke, you know what he can do. And he's been stymied everywhere he's gone. He was stymied at Duke. He went to Atlanta. He was stymied in Atlanta because he already had DeAndre Hunter, so it was a bad fit there. Now he's traded to Knicks Tape and he's buried on a bench where guys like Grimes are getting more run than him, and it just doesn't make any sense. The meniscus tear Taskmaster has never been good with young players, and unfortunately Cam Reddish is just going to be the next, you know, example of that. The next exhibit, you know, Z of that, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because Cam Reddish can go. There's been enough clips floating around on the internet of other guys talking about who can really go. Cam Reddish is always brought up in those conversations. So the fact that the the meniscus terror taskmaster, the guy that won a ring as essentially being a defensive coordinator for the Boston Celtics and has ridden, has rode that notoriety for about a decade plus after the fact without really living up to that because the Bulls had a whole bunch of defensive first players, so it helped. Push on that narrative of oh Tibbs is the defensive mastermind. And look at all these guys. When you have a whole roster full of jokey Noahs, you're gonna play nothing but defense because we know you ain't scoring. It is what it is. It is what it is. So anyway, um, free Cam Reddish. The Knicks are the Knicks. Let us do a quick look here. Uh, I won't even share the screen because I don't I, I don't want to give y'all that. 11 and 13, Cam Reddish. How many games has he even played in? He's going to be out the rotation. What he did to get out the rotation, we don't know. Uh, He's played 20 games. You know, I'll share the screen for this because, you know, I I rocks with Cam. Last time sharing the screen today. All right, so we got Cam here. 20 games, eight starts. Shooting respectably from the outside. Shooting 30% from three. He's not a three-point shooter. I mean, he gave you a little bit of that in Atlanta. Uh, but again, but it, when you don't know if you're playing or not, it's hard to keep the Jimmy wet. Pause. Um, yeah, th- these are not the numbers of none. None of these numbers are predicated. These numbers don't equate to the ability. The ten and a half points, eleven points, ten points. Cam Reddish at his apex is a low twenties score. He can easily, if he's get put on the on a team and just allowed to just go, he can give you 20 to 20 to 25. Easy. And he could play good defense. Um, he's a facilitator of sorts. Don't listen to these, don't don't look at these assist stats because that's just a mirage, because he's never been allowed to just go. He has a type of all around ability. He's a two-way player. He's 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 a he's a linchpin two way player and he's just never been allowed to flourish. And it's year five. And I, I don't know, but it's hashtag free cam over here. Hopefully Cam Reddish is able to go somewhere else because, you know. If the Knicks have any decency in their heart, much like the Panthers just cut Baker Mayfield to go find somewhere else to play. Hopefully the Knicks do the same here with Cam Reddish. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Man, hope you enjoy the visuals if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Hope you enjoy the audio if you're doing the podcast experience, giving you two options. You can listen to the pod or you can watch the pod. It's up to you. If you want to watch the pod, the YouTube link is in the podcast description. If you're a content creator and you're trying to figure out how I did this with the live stream, there is a link to Ecamm Live. Shout out to Ecamm Live. You could try Ecamm Live. There is a link in the podcast description that is an affiliate link. If you do join and do a free trial or whatever, you know, I get a little kickback to show support and it comes at no extra cost to you. And that helps support me to continue to give you content like this. So all of that is there. If you want to donate to the podcast, there's also a link for that in the description. Uh, We're going to get back more to giving you the normally scheduled weekly pod. So don't don't fret. This isn't just a pop up just for a pop up sake. You're going to be getting audio on the live streams on the podcast feed, but the real push here is for the visuals. Video podcasts are going to be the next wave in the next era of podcasting. So trying to get ahead of it by giving the visuals early and often give you different looks. So for the Sam D podcast, I'm the Sam D. I'm out.